Hey there, and welcome to the Sermon Podcast for Timberlake Church in Lynchburg, Virginia. Our mission is to reach, feed, and release people to be the hands and feet of Jesus. You can learn more at our website, TimberlakeUMC.org. We hope you enjoy today's message. Brothers and sisters, now is when we open the scriptures and uh, read them for one another and interpret and listen to what the Holy Spirit is saying to the church. So if you have your Bible, let me invite you to open it to James chapter 1, verses 21 to 22. So that's going to be in the back of your Bible, in the New Testament section, the letter of James. There's a little letter there. I want to invite you to open it up to James chapter 1. I'm going to read verses 21 and 22 now. I just I need to acknowledge something that happened just a moment ago. After the baptism, um, a match fell on uh, to the stage, and I had this brilliant idea that I would swipe it out of the way with my foot. And some of you saw it because you were giggling. It, it lit on fire when I swiped it with my foot. And so that we had a little excitement up here, but thankfully everybody's okay. We didn't burn the stage down. Um, but you never know. You never know when the Holy Spirit's going to show up. Okay. <laughs> James 1, and we're in verse 21 and 22. I'm going to start in the second half of verse 21. I'm reading from the New Revised Standard Version. So if you have a different version of the Bible, it's going to, of course, read a little bit differently, but there's meaning in those differences. So feel free to notice that. Here we are. James 1, 21. Welcome with meekness the implanted word that has the power to save your souls. But be doers of the word, and not merely hearers who deceive themselves. May God add his blessing to the reading and the understanding and the doing of his holy word. Okay. If you are a dreamer, come in. If you are a dreamer, a wisher, a liar, a hoper, a prayer, a magic bean buyer, if you're a pretender, come sit by my fire, for we have some flax golden tails to spin. Come in, come in. Anybody recognize that poem? It's a poem by Shel Silverstein from one of his collected books of poems called Where the Sidewalk Ends, one of my favorites. I've read it to my kids for years, and I tell them it's for their enjoyment, but secretly it's for my enjoyment. And so the next one, I brought several for you. The next one is called Homemade Boat. This boat that we just built is just fine. Don't try to tell us it's not. The sides and the back are divine. It's the bottom, I guess we forgot. This one's called The Loser. Mama said I'd lose my head if it wasn't fastened on. And today, I guess it wasn't, because while playing with my cousin, it fell off and rolled away, and now it's gone. And I can't look for it, because my eyes are in it. And I can't call to it, because my mouth is on it. Couldn't hear me anyway, because my ears are on it. Can't even think about it, because my brain is in it. So I guess I'll sit down on this rock and rest for just a minute. This one's called Pancake. Who wants a pancake? Sweet and piping hot. Good little Grace looks up and says, I'll take the one on top. Who else wants a pancake? Fresh off the griddle. Terrible Teresa smiles and says, I'll take the one in the middle. (laughs) And finally, 
Double tail dog. Would you like to buy a dog with a tail at either end? He is quite the strangest dog there is in town. Though he's not too good at knowing just exactly where he's going, he is very, very good at sitting down. He doesn't have a place to put a collar, and I'll admit it's rather hard to lead him. And he cannot hear you call, for he has no ears at all, but it doesn't cost a single cent to feed him. He cannot bite, he'll never bark or growl, just scratch him on his tails, he'll find it pleasing. But you'll have to take him out for twice as many walks, and I'll bet that you can quickly guess the reason. (laughs) Brothers and sisters, welcome to week four of our series. It's called Doers of the Word. We are digging into the book of James and thinking about, talking about together, what does it mean not only to be hearers of the Word, but doers of the Word? This is something of a unique series in the way we've scheduled it, because usually we preach three or four or five Sundays in a row on a theme, on a subject. This time we've preached preached four Sundays throughout the year. And so we did uh, one in January and one in May, one in August. And if you have not heard the other sermons in these series that Pastor Matt and I have given, I want to encourage you to go back and listen to them. You can find them on the website, timberlakeumc.org. And if you just click the, the link, there's a graphic, this graphic right on there. If you click there, you can get the audio of all of those sermons from the past. So, um, I invite you to, to open again to James and to kind of stay there. We'll come back around to this verse a couple times. This is the inspiration for this series, James chapter 1. Again, today is bring your Bible to church Sunday. Now, some of you bring your Bible to church every Sunday, and I don't have to tell you. Others of us, maybe we've gotten out of the habit. So, I want to encourage you, bring your Bible to church on Sundays. If you do not have a Bible... Please, please, please stop by the Connect Center on your way out, and we have a Bible for you. There's no shame in that. We would love to give it to you. We bought them for you. Or if you have someone at home or someone you love who does not have a Bible, feel free to take it, and we would love to give that to you as a gift so that you may have the Word of God. Okay, so here's the inspiration for this series, James 1, 21 to 22. Welcome with meekness, the implanted Word that has the power to save your souls. But be doers of the word and not merely hearers who deceive themselves. Friends, the idea is that we are engaging in this word by living it out in the world through Christian action, through service to our neighbor, through love of those around us, through good works and the fruit of the Spirit. But I want you to notice the assumption that James is making here in this verse about the words. Did you notice the assumption he's making? He says you need to be doers, but what is he assuming that you've done first? He's assuming you've heard it. He's assuming you have read the Word of God, that you know the Word of God. And I think we need to acknowledge we don't always hear the Word of God. We don't always read the Word of God. And if we are relying on Sunday worship and a teacher to teach us, and that is the full uh, amount of our Bible reading and study in a given week, I'm telling you, friends, this is not enough. Sunday morning with Pastor Matt and Pastor Brad is good, I hope, it's good for your soul, but it's not enough. Friends, this is food for your soul. This is like manna from heaven. Now, how often do you eat? Do you eat once a week or do you eat every day? 
Eat every day, right? Okay, so in a similar way, we feast on the Word of God every day. This is manna from heaven. Do you remember the story of the manna from heaven? Israelites were out in the desert. They cried out. They're hungry. The Lord fed them, rained down bread from heaven. They ate. Uh, Some of them got clever and said, oh, I know. We'll store it up. We'll get some extra in case we run out. What happened to the extra? It rotted. It spoiled. Why? Because God is providing exactly what you need for every day. You don't have to store it up. You don't only just come once a week and get it. Every day, the word of the Lord is good and right, being fed from the Lord to your soul. Friends, we can do this. We can do this. We can read the Bible, and we can study. We can be scholars and students of the Scripture. I know, I've heard from you that one of the factors is intimidation, right? You say, well, I don't know the Bible as well as other people. I don't know where to start. I don't understand it when I read it. I get it, friends. We've all been there. What I'm telling you is just read. Just read. The more you read, the more you understand. The more you understand, the deeper you will fall in love with Jesus Christ, the living word, and the more God will plant his seeds of his word in your heart. So I'm asking you to trust me, and I'm asking you to do this and know that God has said you can do this. This is why he gave us the word, right? This is not the property of the church only or of the preacher only. This is the word of God for the people of God, right? So this is for all of us, and we praise the church who has come before us who has translated it into the language that we can actually read, right? There was a day when it was only in the original languages. There was a day when the church did all this in Latin, and we said, whoa, whoa, hang on. How about if we do it so people can understand and understand this word and take it into their hearts? Now, what I want to try to teach you today is the way in which we read the Bible, can vary, and we can be creative with it today, so that the way, the method in which we read a book of poetry can be very similar to the way we learn to read the Bible. Now, I'm not saying that a book of poetry is the same as the Bible, okay? Please understand me. This, is, this has not the kind of authority that this book has, right? This is Shel Silverstein's creativity. This is the Word of God, very different. But the way that we read poetry can teach us a lot about the way that we read the Bible, in particular because this book is full of poetry, friends. I don't know if you know that, but if you go to Proverbs and Ecclesiastes and Job, if you go to Song of Solomon and the Psalms, it's sometimes called the wisdom literature. There's a section of it in the Old Testament. It is full of poetry, and it is beautiful and good and right. And so I'm going to encourage you and try to teach you how to read the Bible, not, not just as a textbook, not as an instruction manual, but as a book of poetry, as a love letter from God, from God's heart to your heart. So let me give an example. One of the most striking parts of the Bible is the Song of Solomon. Anybody ever read any of the Song of Solomon? It'll make you blush. It's, uh, it's about romantic love. It's about even sexual love between a man and a woman. And some people think it's an allegory of God's love for us, right? like a metaphor. Uh, but it's really fascinating. So I'm going to read to you from Song of Solomon chapter 2, verses 16 to 17. We're going to put it on the screen. Here we are, Song of Solomon, chapter 2. My beloved is mine, and I am his. He browses among the lilies until the day breaks and the shadows flee. Turn, my beloved, and be like a gazelle or like a young stag on the rugged hills. Now, isn't that lovely, right? But this is not a history lesson, right? This is not a law. This is poetry, friends. And we know that we read poetry different than we read history or law. The, the meaning of it is somewhere underneath the surface, right? This isn't really about stags and gazelles. This is about the love of God. This is about something deeper, 
There is mystery here, friends. And so when we read the Bible, um, you know, the meaning of it isn't always clear on the first reading. Um, it's like um, sitting in your favorite comfy chair. Do you have a favorite comfy chair at home? And you sort of relax into it, right? And you lay back and it just encases you and envelops you. And, and, and that's sort of what reading the Bible can be like. I want you to imagine yourself relaxing into the Scripture. Uh, reading the Bible is kind of like um, going on a, in a corn maze. Anybody ever been on, in a corn maze before? It's a great time of year to go and you get lost, right? And you, you go one way and then another and you backtrack. And that's, that's half the fun is trying to find your way through the adventure of it. Friends, the scriptures are similar. You, you can get lost in the text and read and reread and backtrack and think you understand and then not quite get it. And that is the process, the journey of falling in love with the Word of God. There is mystery there's mystery in this book, and I want you to think about that for a moment with me. What does it mean that there's mystery here? Well, this is the story of God becoming human, right? How does God become human? Whew, that's a mystery. How did this, this God-man, Jesus Christ, die on the Roman cross and then rise again? That's a mystery, isn't it, friends? And it, it boggles our, our scientific minds. It doesn't really make reasonable sense to us, and yet we know that it's true, we know that it's true. And so I want to acknowledge that when we read the poetry of this book, when we read a passage like Song of Solomon or read the story of something amazing like the resurrection, it, it doesn't sit with us perfectly well the first time of reading because we live in the age of reason, friends. We live on this side of the enlightenment in which we have been trained and taught that uh, you put in the input and you get out the output and everything is always clear and plain and simple. And if you want information about how to climb Mount Everest or how to carve a pumpkin, you just go to this fancy little computer that's in your pocket and you can learn anything about any subject, right? And it's great. I love this. I love this thing. But there's a difference between this and this, right? Because you study this and it's, oh, the meaning is not always clear the first time. And it doesn't always happen scientifically. Reading this is a lot more like art than it is like science. And so what we're saying today is we need to read the Bible, but we need to learn how to read the Bible, friends. There is mystery. There is mystery here. Colossians 1, 25 to 27, Paul says this about the mystery. I have become the church's servant by the commission God gave me to present to you the word of God in its fullness. The mystery that has been kept hidden for generations, but is now revealed to the Lord's people. God has chosen to make known among the Gentiles, that's you, the non-Jews, the glorious riches of this mystery, which is what? Which is Christ in you, the hope of glory. Okay, so do you get what Paul's saying? Paul's saying, look, God chose me to share the word of God, not just with the Israelites, but also with the Gentiles, with the rest of the world, the fullness of the word of God and the mystery that it contains, which is the idea that Christ is alive inside of you. And we say, Jesus, I have Jesus in my heart, right? Now, how, how does that work? How, how do you get in there? It's a mystery, friends. This is the mystery of the goodness of God for us. And this Bible testifies to that mystery. And what I'm suggesting to you is mysteries are not always to be solved. Sometimes they are simply to be experienced. They're to be lived through and even enjoyed. Go back to James again. James 1, 21 to 22. 
Welcome with meekness the implanted word that has the power to save your souls. But be doers of the word and not merely hearers who deceive themselves. The implanted word, right? Imagine that this is like a packet of seeds and the gardener, the father, is planting them in your heart. And every time you open the word, it's like watering the soil. And every time you sing praises, it's like sunshine shining on your heart. And something in here begins to grow. There is fruit, friends, fruit of the Spirit, love and joy and peace and patience and kindness and goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. All of this comes because the Bible is not just for our heads, friends. The Bible is also for our hearts. It is for our souls. And so what I want to teach you and leave you with today is what we might call the art of spiritually reading the Bible. The art of spiritually reading the Bible. We cannot only read this as a textbook. We cannot only read this as an instruction manual. There has to be a spiritual thing happening here. Okay, we've got to leave room for the work of God. Now, when we say the word spiritual in terms of our ministry and our common life together, what do we mean by that? Do you know? We mean the third person of the Trinity. We mean the manifestation of God in fire, in breath, in wind. We mean the Holy Spirit. Okay, So when we're talking about spiritually doing something, we're talking about empowered by the Holy Spirit. This is why when people say to me today, and they especially find out I work at a church, they say, oh, no, I'm spiritual. I'm just not religious. Right? You heard the people say that? Right? That's the, the word of the day. What I want to ask them in return is, which spirit do you mean? <laughs> because when we say spiritual, we mean the Holy Spirit, friends. Okay? So spiritually reading the Bible means now I'm leaving room in my head, in my heart, for the movement, for the work of the Holy Spirit that God can get in here and in here and do something to help me come and fall in love with Jesus Christ. It's like the difference between cooking and baking. Anybody know the difference between cooking and baking? In terms of how you use a recipe, right? So in cooking, a recipe is just kind of a guide, right? It's a guideline, some suggestions. Like, here, try this, try this. When we make chili at my house, you know, sometimes it comes out really spicy. Sometimes it's not as spicy. If I'm making it, I like to put peppers in. If my wife makes it, she never puts peppers in, right? And, but every time it's good, right? Every time it's good. And the recipe can vary and, and be changed, and that's what cooking is like. Baking, on the other hand, if you bake a cake, there is precision, right? There is exactness in your measurements, and you have the exact right amount of flour and baking soda and baking powder and sugar. And if you vary it, it has big implications on the back end, right? Okay, so you can read the Bible like baking, like science, and, and that is sometimes okay. What I'm suggesting to you, we have to also learn how to read it as an art, how to read it like cooking, and how you let this simmer in your heart, in your life, and you taste it one day, and it tastes like one thing. You taste it the next day, and it tastes a little bit different. And so this, we are talking about, friends, the art of spiritually reading the Bible. There's a method for this. And again, this is like the recipe, okay? So take it for what it's worth. It's not an exact science, but it is a suggestion. It's a recipe that you can use to cook to create the art of reading the Bible. The recipe, this one is called Lectio Divina. Lectio Divina. Everybody say Lectio Divina. Ready? Lectio Divina. Good. You're Latin scholars now. This means divine reading. 
divine reading, and it's a very simple concept. What you do is you read the Scriptures out loud, you read them repeatedly, and you listen for what God is saying to you in the Word. You can do this by yourself. You can do this with your life group. I recommend it for your life group. It is an excellent, excellent way to read the Scriptures. So here's how it works. You read the Scriptures four times. The first time, again, read it out loud and let, just let it wash over you. Okay, just let it wash over you. Then sit in silence. Sit in silence and meditate on the Word. Okay, then read it a second time. Read it out loud, and this time you're going to listen. You're going to listen for what word or phrase is jumping up out of the text. Okay, what is God saying to you in the text? Okay, so you're going to read it once out loud and then sit in silence. You're going to read it a second time. This time you're going to listen. Which word or phrase is, is jumping up out of the text? Now, which text should you be using as you're doing these readings? Anything you want. Anything is good. All the Scripture is good. All Scripture is God-breathed and, and good for us for our teaching and instruction. My suggestion for practical matters is not something too long that you're going to take forever to read, not something too short, not just one verse, but like a paragraph, a medium-length text, like a psalm, for example, okay? So take a psalm, and you read it once, and you let it wash over. You read it a second time, and you listen for which word or phrase really jumps out. And then you're going to read it a third time out loud, and this time you're going to ponder. And the question to ponder is, God, what are you saying to me in this word? What does this word mean for me today, Lord? And again, you're going to sit in silence. Now, if this sounds to you like, oh, man, this kind of takes a while, Pastor. Usually I get my Bible reading down like five minutes and I'm, and I'm off to work. Right. Yeah, you're getting it. This takes a long time, friends. I'm inviting you, slow down. Right? Does the chili get better as it cooks? Yes, it does. Same thing with the Word, friends. It gets deeper down in your heart the longer you meditate on it and sit with it. Okay, so the third reading, you're going to ponder, what is the Lord saying to me in this word or phrase that had jumped out to me before? And then again, sit for a while in silence. If you're in a group, this is where you go around the circle and you share the word or phrase that you heard. You share what you hear the Lord saying to you, and you witness and testify to each other. And then you're going to read it a fourth time. And the fourth time you read it, it's for response. And so you're going to say, Lord, pray now, right? You're praying. Lord, what do you want me to do with this word or phrase that you're revealing to me? What sh how shall I respond, Lord, to the word that you are giving me today? Now, what does a response look like? Well, it could be a million different things. Maybe you've got a decision you need to make. Maybe you've got someone you need to call on the phone. Maybe you have some forgiveness that you need to offer. Uh, maybe there is um, a relationship that needs to be reconciled. Maybe there is a task that you've been putting off. Whatever it is, let God speak to your heart. Again, sit in silence. Lord, show me. What is it that you would have me do? If you're in a group, then go around, go around the circle and share what you're hearing from the Lord. Friends, it's called Lectio Divina. And the idea is repeatedly reading the Scriptures out loud. And what we find is even with those familiar texts... Right? Even those Bible stories that you know from your childhood, new meaning emerges out of them. You ever had that experience where you've read the same Bible passage a hundred times and you read it in the hundred and first and you say, oh, wow, I never saw that before. I never heard that before, friends. That's the Holy Spirit. That's the Holy Spirit moving in and through the Word. This is a living Word. Yes, it's bound in leather and has paper like every other book, but it's not like every other book. 
because this is a living word. It's the word of God. It's alive and active, and God is moving in and through it to bless his people and to bring us into a saving relationship with Jesus Christ. I want to encourage you to practice Lectio Divina this week. If, um, if you've never done it, uh, let us help you with it. In fact, you can go to the Rooted Devotions, and there are instructions in there. So if you kind of just missed what I just said or if this is all new, go do your Rooted Devotions this week, and I think twice, maybe three times in the week, we have opportunities to practice the Lectio during your daily reading of the Scripture. Do it uh, by yourself or do it in your life group. Tell your life group leader, hey, 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 remember that thing Pastor Brad talked about in the Sunday sermon? Let's do that, that Lectio thing.